It's Brian Anthony from the Office of Student Life and Leadership in the booth. Welcome to another episode of Hill Talks. Each episode, we will bring you an inspiring message to help improve your leadership skill set. Everyone can always use leadership tips, so we hope that you get something out of it. We're live in the booth. Today's topic focuses on new aspects of leadership, featuring some of campus's most prominent leaders from a student and professional lens. Hello, my name is Dr. Charlotte Lamel. I'm the Assistant Director of Student Wellness, Health Promotion and Prevention Strategies. Hello, my name is Dr. Kyra Kendrick, and I am the Director of On-Campus Recruiting and External Relations for Carolina Football. Let's kick it. Well, wonderful ladies. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I thought of no better way to end um, National Women's Month than to have two wonderful queens on the podcast to talk about their leadership and how they're greatly involved on campus. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having us. Um, So Anthony and I always like to open up the podcast by asking our guests this one question that we think is pretty fundamental. What does leadership mean to you? Okay, (laughs) I will answer first. Um, I think when I first initially started my career, I had this vision of what I thought leadership should look like. I thought, you know, you had to be the boss, you had to have subordinates, you had to um, have certain amounts of power. Um, but as I have grown and gone and been working in this higher ed environment for how many ever years now at this point, um, I think I've decided that literally anybody can be a leader in any role that they're in. I, I think the key to leadership, um, in my opinion, is influence and being able to help guide people to become better you know, better themselves overall. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think in this current space or stage in my life, like leadership to me is being an example and not a lesson. Not that lessons are bad, but what I like to talk to my team about is like, let's be an example for others and do this in a way that makes sense where we are, you Mm -hmm. know, creating space for others. We are centering people, valuing them and letting them know that they're being heard. That to me is how true leaders operate. Let wow. me write that down. You know, I gotta take notes. <laughs> that was I know. I needed I needed to take notes just on both of those because that was probably wow, that just really touched me as a way to start off this podcast. So thank you. Um, so just kind of continuing that conversation of your definitions of leadership in ways that you all have developed those definitions. What has your personal experience in holding leadership positions as a woman been like? I guess for me, it's been a swing between challenging and rewarding, right? So the challenge are like, sometimes what seems the like unrelentless obstacles that are created by others. Um, But then the rewarding part is watching your team flourish or watching folks really come into themselves and grow in a way that you know that they could. So those two things have been my experience. And I think working with other people through those challenges and through those obstacles is what makes leaders more astute and more flexible um, because then they can pass on what they've learned to the next person or the next woman leader. I would echo that sentiment. Um, I think early in my career, you know, I wasn't considered a true leader in other people's eyes. So I wasn't a threat necessarily. Um, But once 
I stepped into certain roles, you realize that while you may have good intentions with everyone, everyone doesn't have good intentions with you. And trying to find the the balance of that and, you know, not take things personally and, you know, be able to still be as neutral as possible in all situations so you can take those experiences that you've had and that information that you've learned and share it with the people who are up and coming or trying to get in similar roles as you or, or just trying to be successful in general. Um, understanding how to share that information with them so that they don't necessarily have to take the same steps or go through the same obstacles that you went through. And what are some ways you both mentioned obstacles and having to overcome barriers that have been put into place by other people, whether it's being considered a non-threat or an underdog or just simply that you might be heavily relied on because you are perhaps that token female in your field. But what are some ways that you've worked to overcome those obstacles and kind of cement yourself as a real viable leader in your um, positions? For me, I try not to allow myself to be boxed in. So I, you know, I'm a minority female working in a sport that is predominantly black student athletes. And oftentimes you'll find that people want, they want to use the women piece and the minority piece. Well, oh, you know, make sure you talk to this person or make sure you talk to that person. And while those things are okay, and you know, I'm fine with doing that. I also try to expand my own personal portfolio outside of what people think I should be doing. So if that means, you know, having a hand in other areas or other aspects of athletics that I feel like are things that I need to be able to grow, I'm going to try to do that. (laughs) Well, wonderful. I kind of now want to take it back a little bit, you know, Maybe you go through the years, think about yourselves and your younger years, even now. And I kind of want us to now talk about what is your earliest memory as a leader? Bria, I think you're ahead of the game. I think I'm still waiting for my moment. Um, I don't know that I've had it just yet. I've probably been, I guess, in air quotes in leadership since um, I graduated from graduate school. When I got my master's degree, I had the opportunity to teach um, at East Carolina University for a very long time. And part of my role in teaching there was to help manage and recruit our graduate student interns for our department, as well as for the hospital. And in our department, public health health education was very uh, woman dominated. So in that vein, gender wasn't necessarily emphasized, but in the hospital setting, there were definitely more males at the table and I don't know that I recognize in the, my early 20s that I was sitting at a table just by myself. Like I maybe thought about it, but I didn't really center those feelings. I kind of came in and said, oh, I have a job to do. Let me do my job. It really got pointed out to me by other people. And I think that's when I started saying, well, I need to figure out what that means to me versus waiting for somebody else to point out to me. You are the only person here or Let's go to you for all of the Black women's opinion, which is not a thing, um, since you're the only person we see on a regular basis. So (laughs) I really started taking some inventory um, at that point in my life and saying, no, I'm not necessarily here for, you know, your cultural uplift or to help educate you on something that you could look up. 
But what I am here to do is, you know, make sure that we have some talent and some good students that are helping to take care of these patients. So again, I think I'm waiting for my big aha, um, but just really coming to terms with who I am as a leader, what my voice is um, and what it is that I represent. I think that's when that started and I've been working on it ever since. Um, I would say very similar to you when I was an undergrad, I had another, well, I had a, a full-time person come tell me that they thought I would be good for a particular role, being um, a resident assistant at that time. And I was like, that means I have to be responsible for people other than myself. <laughs> I didn't know how I felt about that at the time because, you know, I, I'm still a college student. And in my mind, like, I can't, I, I just, I did not think, it, it never even dawned on me. It never crossed my mind that, hey, you can be a leader amongst your peers, you know? And it's funny because even now I still look for that external validation from other people mm -hmm. to say that, you mm -hmm. know, you're a leader in your particular field. Um, and I, I'm very similar. I, I'm trying to find my internal voice that says regardless of what role you have or what you're doing that you know you can still make a difference right where you are I think that um you know because we we live in a society that definitely says you know you're only a leader if you are doing x y and z or if you have x y and z titles or this experience and um I I, I struggle with that I I think that I'm like, yes, while I do want some of these titles, I also want to be able to make a difference right where I'm at. Mm, I think you both brought up and mentioned some really interesting points that I, as an undergrad student in my just beginning my 20s, so not even like early 20s, like just starting out in my 20s, there's a lot of microaggressions and different attacks that especially as like minority women but just women in general have to face daily from professional staff to just family to social media to society and there's so much stimulus that at times as a black woman is especially targeted against us to play different narratives so I'm curious to hear about how you all personally like come back what we have to face every day as we step out the door. I'm saying so many different things, right? So on a good day, when I'm feeling really centered and calm and cheat and I've had my tea and I've done, you know, my exercise, my mind is clear. I really can be very, you know, um, positive and redirect, you know, kind of how you do little kids. Mm -hmm. Well, let me point you in this direction. Mm -hmm. Have you thought of this resource? That's on a good day. I don't always have those. So <laughs> on a day when it's a struggle, I'm just like, you must have me confused with, you know, the internet and or a dictionary because I don't have time mm -hmm. for that today. So in terms of just armor, it's really very important to me, obviously, right? I come from a public health background. Health and well-being is what I do. I really have to center what do I need in this moment, right? What do I need to be my best self? What do I need to navigate whatever this current, you know, dialogue is? And so I try to center myself a lot. I try to pause a lot 
because sometimes without pausing, I just might say the first thing I think. And that's not always the best thing to say. It could be a good thing to say, but it doesn't mean it was the best thing to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I like to do a little reflection too, because sometimes I also reflect on, is this person coming to me in my reflection from a genuine place um, or a genuine place of curiosity? Or is this person low-key trying to be harmful and attack me? So that pausing and that reflecting is helpful for me. So I don't know if it's a particular armor that I put on, but it's different, quote-unquote, tactics that I use to navigate those things when I see them, when I hear them, when I see them happening to other women, um, other women of color, um, including myself. Like, you know, what is the best way to handle this? So, again, on my best day, I'm going to pause, but that doesn't always happen. Same. I, you know, I think I initially, when I first started out my professional career, I did feel like I had to put on an armor. um, And I was very defensive all the time because I just felt like, like she said, like, I shouldn't have to explain these things to you. I shouldn't have to tell you how you're culturally appropriating or how you saying certain things is a microaggression. Um, However, I have since grown. And I, too, very similar. Like, if I'm in a good space, I'm not overwhelmed at work. I'm more inclined to answer questions. So, for example, I I am natural, and I straighten my hair every now and then. And, of course, you know, one of the um, analysts was like, well, you know, how long did it take you to get your hair straight like that? Well, of course, I've known him for years. So, I, I wasn't offended because I understood that he was genuinely asking. Like, he has no idea no idea and so before I could even answer a different coach stepped in and was like no no don't you answer that question he can go look that information up and I was like he was like you you don't ask black women that I was like oh (laughs) thank you right (laughs) I mean it felt great you know because I did I didn't even have to do anything even though I was prepared to answer the question but now I'm very similar on bad days. Like, I don't have time for it. And, and I, I don't. I have zero tolerance policy. And I have also learned that sometimes the pause and looking at who it's coming from and how they're saying it, tone, situation, I think all of that matters um, in your response. And um, I, too, have definitely responded without pausing before and been like, okay, I probably should have handled that differently. But I always try to reflect back as well and say, okay, you know, maybe I should go follow up with them and say, you know, here's why I feel like X, Y, and Z. And it's usually received well, I would say. I I do think, though, as women of color, you know, we are in spaces where sometimes we we are forced to have to speak on behalf of everyone or we're expected to do those things. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a daily battle in my opinion. It's a daily struggle. It's something that I I will forever struggle with unless I am working in spaces where 100% of the people look like me. And as, as long as I'm not doing that, I'm going to have to understand that, everybody isn't going to be as well-rounded as we would like them to be. Now I'm kind of curious, in this reflection, <laughs> do either of you have a mantra or some words of affirmation 
that you might say or look at that kind of help you say, okay, let me take a moment. Let me get myself centered back here and kind of go from that place of centered. As you mentioned, Charlotte, I think it's really important how you mentioned that we always need to center before we reflect and make sure we're in that proper headspace. So I was just kind of curious, do either of you have a mantra, a couple words of affirmation that you'd like to share with our lovely listeners? Okay, so for me, I always say to myself, center peace and tranquility, we need to be whole and well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I say that because as a Black woman, as a Black queer woman, I am constantly dividing up my attention and my time for multiple things. Like I work in my community. I'm working, you know, with my sorority. I have aging parents. I have a nephew. I have, you know, a wife. I have a team of, you know, 20 plus people. Um, All of them are not direct reports, but it's still, you know, a large amount of folks who really are vying for your attention and your time. And the more we kind of split ourselves across these spaces and across who need our attention and time, the less whole we are because everyone needs something a little different. Um, so when, again, if I need to kind of check myself or I need to reflect, then I, that's what I have to say to myself. You need to center. We need you whole. We need you well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I love yeah, that. Same. I really love that. I unfortunately do not have a mantra. <laughs> I feel like though I need to get one, honestly, just that I know I can always reflect on, but there is, uh, my dad was a preacher when he was alive. And mm-hmm. so there is a particular Bible verse I always find myself referring back to, which is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I try to remember that verse in particular because it's, it's always, it always helps me come back to the positive thoughts and the things that are positive that are surrounding me, regardless of the, the other chaos that is happening Mm. thank y'all for sharing i just i wrote those down i needed those for myself (laughs) i'm sure one of our other listeners will appreciate them Mm -hmm. also uh and kind of shifting now to continue this reflection that we're on how have you seen the environment for women leaders change since you've started your professional career um I know in, in in the athletics world in particular, there's always been an organization for women. It's actually, it's called Women Leaders in College Sports right now. But before that, it was called NACWA. And I knew it existed, but I couldn't have told you, you know, how many women were apart or, you know, I, I never understood that there was a whole group of people dedicated to uplifting each other. Um, and now I actually serve as the circle lead for women in football for that organization, which is, is nationally. Um, and it's crazy to just see, even in my particular role, even though I didn't start out in football, I started out in academics, but to see the amount of women that are now being placed in the, the football atmosphere is mind blowing. Like people are finally starting to understand women's value and that women can still contribute to you know football or other sports as well that are typically male dominated um regardless of if they played them or not and I think that is huge in my opinion I I think that that we have progressed however I do think that we still have a ways to go there's no doubt just in language and behavior and true equity 
and treating people like they are literally the same, I, I don't, we're, we are not there by a long shot. Yeah, I think, you know, in being in higher ed, being in education, you know, women have existed. However, I think women leaders are more visible when you talk about um, assistant and associate um, vice chancellors and provosts and different factions of that, having women on an executive team beyond being directors, that is definitely much more visible. But we also have a ways to go. I mean, if you go to most PWIs specifically or historically white institutions and you look at their leadership team, it normally is full of older white men. Um, and then you might get some white women and then you might get one woman of color, possibly. Um, and, you know, that is fortunately changing in some ways, but also I recognize that a lot of the women that I know, specifically black women that are in those positions, they weren't offered seats at the table. They had to bring their own table because there was no seat provided. Um, mm -hmm. And the bigger part of it, I think for me and how we can maybe grow and create more leaders um, in those spaces is our mentoring. We have it informally. We have it formally in small pockets. But as far as it being um, consistent across the board where, you know, women have other women to look to as they are moving through um, higher education or academia, it's just not consistent. And I think if we could take a real good look at how we mentor and mentoring as a whole, we could probably see a big shift. Mm. Well, thank you both. This has been a wonderful conversation. And Sally, it's almost time for us to wrap up. So for closing thoughts, um, do either of you have advice you would give women on displaying their leadership abilities and really like owning the gifts that they have and their capacity to be leaders? I would just add to what I was just saying, find some mentors, find several, you need a squad, an executive team, um, whatever you want to call it, your circle, um, your group of affirmed women, just come up with something and make sure that these are folks who are able to pour into you, they have capacity to do so, and that they are doing things that you're interested in or things that you have a passion about or things that you're just curious about. So you can ask real time questions about how does this work? What are you doing? Um, what do you see as the challenge and the obstacle? And find these women, and even sometimes some men, across different areas of your life like find the people who are just there for you to cry with outside of your mom and <laughs> find the folks who are going to help you understand like your finances and buying a home and you know what credit is and the big scary lies that they tell about it like when it comes to your professional career look at the women in different stages of that career how did you get here what did you have to do where was your internship at can I get a copy of your cv or your resume to see what classes you took what other jobs you had, like really invest in yourself by having other people to invest in you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I 100% echo all of that. <laughs> I would also say too, um, like don't be afraid to walk in your power. Understand that mm, yeah. people may not always receive it well or people may, you know, feel some type of way. But at the end of the day, if you were hired for a job and um, and somebody obviously believed in you when they made that hire, then you need to make sure you live up to that expectation. And I think that 
being the best I can be because I'm trying to shrink myself so other people can feel comfortable, then I'm not doing it right. Well, thank you both so much. We're we're definitely going to have to do this again. Have you back on as guests, have some more laughs, share some more insight. Um, but with that, we're signing off. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Check back with us for another discussion on leadership and even more amazing in-studio guests. It's Brian Anthony, live from the booth. Peace.